0: Welcome to CompTIA Community Casts. Today's podcast is brought to you by CompTIA's IT security community. Welcome in to Breaking Barriers. This is Miles Jobjian, Director with the Security Community, as well as the Managed Services Community for CompTIA. I'm here today, pretty excited. We've got a new uh, resource coming out from the IT security community to help with your incident response preparation. Security consultant Mike Semmel uh, participated as a subject matter expert team to help resource, uh, to build this resource, rather. And today, we got the pleasure of talking with Mike and see what he's seen out there and where people have maybe misstepped or maybe caused themselves a little extra headaches that they did didn't even need to cause themselves right so
1: as well as maybe some successes hopefully we'll have some happy endings too mike hey welcome aboard thanks miles it's great to be with you and i love talking to my fellow comp team members
0: that's awesome you helped put together uh, this incidence response planning guide when we brought the project to you kind of what, what was it that that attracted you to the idea of getting this out there
1: Really, so many things. And first of all, from a CompTIA standpoint, you're vendor neutral, so it's not talking about a specific product or a tool, or, or you don't really have any angle other than wanting to help people. What I've seen in my career, and we work with a lot of clients that are regulated. We work with MSPs. I used to be an MSP before I started my consulting business. I see a lot of mistakes happening, and the risks are higher than ever. Uh, they're lawsuits. They're regulators. And the incidents, including things like ransomware, are growing like crazy. And MSPs need to know how to deal with these things. Solution providers, even if you're not using a managed services model, need to know how to deal with these situations, not just for your client, but also to protect yourself. For sure.
0: You know, you see lots of headlines and things about this. And and so there seems to be a tension within the media and maybe even into the general public. Do you think that this is something that, has gotten enough
1: attention among the solution providers? Well, first of all, I never think that it gets enough attention. I, I think being a solution provider and being in this business, we kind of get tired of hearing about things like ransomware over and over and over again. But the there was a statistic earlier this year from Beasley Insurance that ransomware increased 37% from Q2 to Q3 in one calendar quarter. So it's growing like crazy, and as MSPs, I'm sure you're dealing with uh, clients that have had the problem. One of the things that I'm seeing is that people really aren't out talking about it as much uh, as they could, believe it or not, with all these hacks and all these things going on, leveraging the news to get business. Right. You can you can use that as a wedge, right? Say, hey, that's not going to happen because I have these.
0: Now, could they really honestly say, hey, this won't happen with me protecting you?
1: well you can never really say that because the people on the on the bad side are really good at what they do and sometimes systems fail and end users still do the wrong things even though you may be training them and doing phishing training campaigns and things like that but you still have to do it and you want to protect yourself as well as your client and i think you know that's one of the things that msps um, aren't always happy to hear that sometimes msps and the tools that you use are targeted So that if someone wants to get to your clients, they may go through you. So part of this is making sure that you've got your own internal plans and processes in place in case it happens uh, and you end up being involved in it. And that's
0: one of the things that the, uh, that the guide is, speaks to, right? You know, so we, we kind of went through the different phases of the incident happening and, and being prepared for it and then when it happens actually and then the kind of the cleanup afterwards. As you've seen multiple organizations kind of go through that process, you know, so an incident has occurred. What are some of the kind of like common mistakes that you've seen or kind of the, the big no-nos that, that have gotten people maybe into to more trouble than they need to be?
1: Well, a, a few things. One is that as an MSP unless you've got special training and certifications, number one, you really don't have the skills to deal with an incident from a technical standpoint. You don't have the forensic skills, the certifications and things like that. And that can get you and your client in trouble in case there's a uh, lawsuit or a criminal case where the chain of evidence might be tainted. And you might've gone in to try to fix something and inadvertently destroyed evidence that could have been used in a case. So our recommendation when we work with end users and with MSPs is to always make sure that there's an attorney involved and the client's insurance company, and perhaps your own insurance company, if you're dragged into this, to make sure that the cyber liability insurance and the E and O insurance carriers are doing things their way to make sure that you're protected and that the insurance will pay for it. You bought a policy, and that's the main reason to use it rather than just running in saying, I'm going to be a hero. Uh, slow it down and get the insurance and legal people involved. Oftentimes they will bring in their own experts, but that also means that they're going to pay for those experts and you and your client won't have any problems. That's very sound advice, I would say. What about the external pressure if there is some kind of reporting requirement? How, How can somebody kind of address that? well it's a great question, miles, because now we're starting to get into compliance, which is you know one of my areas of expertise and the focus of our consulting business, and you really have to know what rules you and your clients are working under so under HIPAA, you have like sixty days to notify a patient if their information's been breached, but if you're in the state of California, you only have fifteen days, and in Florida thirty days and and other states have thirty day requirements so The first thing you need to understand is if the time if there's a clock running in the background, there are also requirements sometimes in contracts and in insurance policies that notifications be made immediately upon the uh, not even the discovery of a breach. And I use the term breach different than an incident because you may be investigating something that happened and you're not quite sure it's a breach yet. Uh, We had a client that connected to the state of Texas to get Medicaid information, and they had some computers stolen, and the state of Texas required them to notify the state within one hour of discovering the incident. One hour, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So when you're building an incident response plan, you really need to look at a lot of things and ask your clients a lot of questions to make sure that you're doing it right to protect yourself and to protect them. It may not be you getting in trouble with a regulator, but if your client gets in trouble with a regulator, they could end up suing you. And when I've discussed this type of situation with MSPs, MSPs always want to, you know, take care of their customers and their clients and be there for them and help them. But I've seen MSPs get into trouble because they don't think about their client being a potential legal adversary. So one of the things when there's a breach is that the client may call their lawyer and their lawyer may be saying to them, you know, you need to sue your managed service provider because they screwed up. You don't want to be talking to that client and giving them information to use in the lawsuit. So you really need to be wary. When you're dealing with incidents, think lawyers, think regulators, think insurance companies. Don't just think about the technology that needs to be fixed. It is so much more of a, of a, of a business problem, right? It's, it's not just some technological issue. It, it really impacts you on, on all levels. Well, it can. And think of yourself as a client. One of the things that MSPs are, are notorious for, and you may laugh if, when you hear this, is not treating yourself the same way you treat your clients. And I've worked with MSPs. I've been an MSP, and I know that when we needed things done at the office, our techs and engineers sometimes didn't get done, didn't get them done to the point where I'd call them into my office and say, Hey, we really need to do this, and they'd say, Well, you know, we have customers to take care of. And I finally said, We're a customer. When I need something, I'm your customer. In fact, I may be your most important customer because I sign your paycheck. So I need you to go do this now. We've found MSPs that didn't have current patches and updates, and you know, had some lack of security. Uh, implemented because they weren't doing what they were telling their customers to do. So treat yourself like a customer, secure your own environment, implement things like two factor authentication, which can be annoying, but it's better security. If someone leaves your organization, they can't get back into your client sites. Part of incident response is being prepared yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that notion
0: of having rolling out your own solutions so you can experience them as an organization, um, Is something that our managed service community has shared as well. It's a a great idea and a great way to make sure that you know your your updates are on time and, and that you
1: know what the clients are experiencing because you're under that same stuff. Right, and if I hack one of your clients, I get their information. But if I hack you, I get to all of your clients all of them. because you you have domain admin privileges on everybody's network. That's right. I'd love to hear a
0: happy ending, if there is one, a war story, kind of happy ending of a of a maybe an incident response that you've seen that
1: was handled very well. We have those stories. We can't name names because of the For confidentiality sure. For sure. that we have with clients. Uh, And and frankly, I, I hear about more bad endings because that's when I get dragged into things. But no, there are people that are doing things the right way. And it takes someone who's not just focused on the technology to deal with these situations. I think the best successes have come when the business owner get involved, not because a business owner is the best technology person. In fact, I was never a good technology person, but I was always successful in the technology business. But because I could look another business owner in the eye and understand what they were dealing with and be able to communicate with them. So the most successful situations have been, uh, frankly, not when an engineer has discovered a problem and just gone to to go to fix it. But when that engineer has come into the office and said, hey, Mike, you know, we're having this problem. And I'll call the owner uh, of the other company, of the client, and talk to them while my engineer is doing the technical stuff. Uh, some of the worst things we dealt with were our engineers trying to fix things themselves and then us getting calls from those clients. And that was the first we heard about a problem. So I, I think incident response, uh, it's like disaster recovery. In fact, it is disaster recovery just in a different form. It's not tornadoes and hurricanes, it's uh, data breaches and uh, ransomware and hacking incidents. But you need a team and you need to approach it the same way. It's not, you know, one person's going to be the hero because there are so many different roles that have to be filled when there's an incident.
0: Yeah. That, the, the coordinated effort, right. It's, it's, it's so crucial to, to being able to respond and it's getting more and more and, and kind of tied to that, you know, kind of these information sharing areas are, are becoming a better and bigger tool to help coordinate that teamwork across different organizations.
1: they are good tools, but one of the things that we recommend to our clients, is that they not use any electronic tools, any communications, electronic communications, email, text messages, anything at the beginning of an incident, because if they do, that could be discoverable in court. We recommend having phone conversations, face-to-face conversations uh, within the organization before anything is put in writing. And then once it's determined that something real is likely to have happened or at that point you're sure has happened, you call an attorney because an attorney can give you or may be able to give you attorney-client privilege. So the conversations that you're having internally or the conversations you have with vendors who you may pull in to help you would be not discoverable in court and not be, a, not be able to use in a lawsuit against you. It's a big issue. So I love that we're you know trying to speak to it
0: um, we, like I mentioned, we've got this guide available. You can uh, download it right down there in the description. Now, Mike, you're gonna be at CCF this year in March. We were talking about that and, and participating in a little Q&A session around these very same topics. What would you hope somebody would walk away from, uh,
1: from that, that little session? Well, first of all, walk away with the tool because it's a great tool but more than anything, uh, when you come to CCF, you, you have people there that you can't normally get to and you may not normally, uh, be focused. One of the things I love about the meeting and also ChannelCon is that when I go to that event, I'm focused on it. I don't have my phone ringing. I don't have, you know, emails coming in and doing a lot of things. I can focus and meet with people and have discussions. So come up and talk to us. What I'd like everybody to, to leave with is maybe a different understanding of the problem and that it really is a legal and an insurance problem first and then a technical problem second. And you need to be wary of the things you're going to do with your with the technology to make sure you don't get bit. That would be awesome if everybody walked out with that understanding. Absolutely. Okay. Thank
0: you for your time today. Thank you for your uh, work on this guide. I'm really excited about getting it out there. With that, again, thanks, Mike, for for being here today. I hope to see everybody out there at CCF. That'd be great. We're in Chicago over uh, St. Patrick's Day. So take a look at CompTIA.org and you'll find us there. Thank you very much. To hear podcasts from all of CompTIA's membership communities, you can download the mobile app or listen in on the website at compTIA.org slash communities.